book. Who's this guy reading the book? It's me reading a book. I always bring a book to the cinema. I'm James Rizika. And uh, it's good to see you at the popcorn counter. You yeah, can help me carry some of these books into the cinema. No, 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 no. I came for popcorn. <laughs> what what book are you reading? Is it like a book that's been made into a film or something like that? Or Well, incredibly. Did you know that about 50% of all movies are adaptations of pre-existing material? I've, I've just wow. finished reading The Man Who Fell to Earth, actually. Oh. Um, by by Walter Tevis. Having seen that, so we saw that a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, I yeah. Um, and I enjoyed the movie, and I thought, you know, I'm going to read the book. And it's only a thin little book; it's only small. Um, and uh, it was fascinating actually to read the book, having very recently seen the film. Yeah. The um, you know there are some scenes and elements in the in the book which are exactly the same in the film, and they've been really slavishly copied. Okay. And there are some things which are extremely different. And I tell you what, there is an awful lot more nudity in the film than there is in the book. Uh. <laughs> uh, not many people are taking their clothes off in the book, whereas in the film, you know, really, it's, you yeah. know, people are hardly ever put clothes on. Mm-hmm. Alien nudity, as a matter of fact, in the, in the <laughs> film. Yes, yeah, absolutely, well, yes. Just as much alien as human. Um, fascinating. And what, what do you think? Was the book better than the film, in your opinion? Or? Uh, I think I can see why the book appealed to be turned into a film. Mm-hmm. I think maybe... Um, Maybe I enjoyed the film very slightly more, but then, you know, the book doesn't have the advantage of, of David Bowie's charisma. Yeah. And the book is like a little bit talky and a little bit ploddy. And mm. um, the book also kind of reads like he had a great sort of first half and then wasn't quite sure how to end the story. Uh, OK. Um, so it kind of slightly tapers off, whereas the, the film, you know, the film ends in a similar way to the mm-hmm. Um, to the book, but it feels somehow a little bit more definitive and confident, I think. Okay. So I, I think it's one of those rare examples where the film is better than the book. Ah, that's interesting. Well, so one of my theories, which was probably passed on to me by my, one of my first film professors was absolutely terrible. I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> he did have a good point. He used to talk about, you know, like we're taking a lot of novels and long form books and we're putting them into films and it just doesn't work. So he said short stories, even uh, magazine articles, um, little bits of the newspaper, those are better for adaptation than an actual novel is. Um, and I think a lot, yeah, a lot of the, uh, the the books that we have seen yeah. um, adapted recently, The Man Who Fell to Earth and Full yeah. Metal Jacket and yeah. All Quiet on the Western Front, those are all reasonably short books. Oh, okay. But not as short as, I know Top Gun was originally adapted from a magazine article, wasn't it, I yeah. think? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the shorter the better, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think a classic example, a pretty good film. I'm not going to say it's a, a great film, but a great example of a short story is... Um, Shawshank Redemption, which is a feature ah. film, of course, but it was a Stephen King, and I'm not a big fan of Stephen King, his standard fare of books, but his short stories are pretty good, and there's one called, I think it's called Rita Hayworth and the and Shawshank Redemption is the name of the, the short story, and that's, you know, probably a 20-page story or something like that, and turned into a, a pretty successful film, so it felt like that was the right, for me, that's like the right balance of a short story mm. and uh, being adapted into a film. Um, the alternative is that you... You can just take a really tiny bit of a bigger book, um, Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, have you read um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? I did, the, yeah, for school. The, the Philip K. Yeah, Dick yeah. book. Yeah. Ah, right, okay. So um, now if I recall correctly, it's a few years since I read it, but I think the film Blade Runner is based on about six pages of that book. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and there's all sorts of stuff in the book about about artificial animals and, yes. and, uh, and the kind of like the, the main character struggle to try and impress his neighbours or whatever. Yeah. All sorts of stuff completely thrown away. And there's like a six pages of you know, kind of detective type action yeah. in the middle of the book. And that's what became the film. It's amazing. That was my favourite part was I think it was called Merc- Mercerism maybe. It was this warship of electric sheep. They, it's yeah. called, yeah, do androids dream of electric sheep? Because if you're a human, owning an electric sheep was like a sign of... I think like success status. and status exactly. So they kept these sheep on their rooftops. <laughs> it was uh, awesome. I loved it. It was this absurd element that when I did see the film, I was so disappointed because I thought, oh, where are the electric sheep? <laughs> I haven't done, I've only been asked, I think, to rate one adaptation. Yeah. But I think that the best strategy I can summarize is to do what Marie Kondo does oh. and throw away as much as you can. Yeah. That's what I would <laughs> tell people to do. Really just try and get rid of it absolutely yeah. as much as you can. Keep yep. the little bits that you like. She's yeah, she's she's got a great point. And spark joy. If it sparks joy, it keeps oh, you keep yeah. it. But I mean you've got to be careful because a lot of what sparks joy is just too happy. You want some difficulty, you want some hardship in your story. So you've gotta it shouldn't necessarily spark joy, but spark some kind of emotional reaction, I guess. Yeah, spark fascination. Yeah. So um, the, the the book that I was asked to adapt, yeah. it was uh, a World War Two story about um a uh, a woman who's an anthropologist working in India yeah. um, with sort of indigenous tribes during the Second World War. And uh, she was asked to kind of gather together these sort of Indian tribesmen into a little sort of task force to try and patrol the jungle and warn the Allies about um, Japanese troops invading through um, like the, the northeast part of India. Yeah. And so it's kind of it has like all sorts of great... Um, ingredients there it's just kind of you know it's this kind of young woman and you know she's a bit sexy and she's you know in this kind of fantastic jungle scenario and there's a lot of action and a bit of war and there's a bit of romance it's all great but um the producers gave me her biography uh, to read and the book was turgidly boring oh god um and thankfully all the stuff that they wanted to film about was like in the first half of the book so i only read half of it i didn't even read the second half oh good um, I just you know kept reading until we'd finished the bits that they wanted, and then uh, and then never went back to it. But um, yeah, I I I did a Marie Kondo there and threw away as much yeah. as I could. Have you yeah. been asked to do an adaptation before? Uh, no, I mean the the Foxy the Marilyn Monroe thing is sort of a um, a collection of articles yeah. that um, that Zesis showed me. He gave me these things and uh, and he gave me some ideas, which was nice. But then I you know I read a lot about uh, Marilyn. When I was doing it, so I was definitely you know, like looking at biographies uh, about her and Arthur Miller as well, and and Joe DiMaggio. So it's not really a strict adaptation, and we were you know we're basically verging on fiction most of the time. It's all you know guesswork. Um, but I did I read a book called The Shipping News by Yanni um, mm. Poole years ago, which I didn't know was going to be made into a f- film. So I loved the book. I put all this energy into sort of writing an outline. And then um, uh, Lassie Hellstrom wrote, made the film maybe uh-huh. <laughs> you know, two months after I'd done all my work and uh, it already came out. And I was really disappointed in the film. And, and, and that so often happens is that, you know, you've got this, I think the lesson I learned was that, you know, yeah, I, th- I thought I had all these great ideas for adapting this this book that I really liked. And then Kind of turned out that it probably wasn't filmable, and again, there's so much happening in a novel, and you have to, you have to Maria Kondo it all out, and um, it was hard for me to do, and it was hard for me to watch. I just, I think the tone was wrong in the Halstrom film too, but um, you know, it ended up being it's pr- pretty good film, and it was pretty, uh, pretty well received, but not one of his, uh, 
masterpieces. So, and that film's got Kevin Spacey in, hasn't it? it Which does, means that yeah. it, it'll sort of be con- con- consigned to the bin of history, oh, then, won't no. it? No, yep, 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 yep. But also, um, who else is in there? Isn't it? Um, oh, great English actress, Dame, 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 Dame. One of your dames, Jimmy. Oh, God. Dame Judy Dench. Judy Dench. Thank you so much, Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> um, yes, I mean, I think uh, for me, the classic one growing up was To Kill a Mockingbird, which is really kind of this ah. racist white savior piece that we read in school. So I, everyone knew the book, and then it uh, turns out, you know, on cable television, the 1963 version of the film would come up. And uh, so actually, in the last couple of years, I went back and read the book, reread the book again, because we've actually banned it in a lot of schools here, because it's just. Uh, ah, it's really actually, my daughter has just done that book like last year oh, at really? school. Yeah, yeah. So, no, yes, it still yes, it lives on in Britain. It's lost some favor here. And uh, so I watched both, and I, you know, I wasn't as impressed with the film, but I think it is a. Pr- in terms of like taking a novel and really capturing the good parts and telling a good story, it does a really nice job. So it's still kind of it's to me, even though I'm not that fond of either book or film as much as I used to be. I think it's kind of the the the, the gold standard of books to film. Uh, and the other kind of uh, anecdote um, that I was kind of think about when talking about adaptations um, is this story about Aphex Twin, who's like you know the British sort of electronic musician mm-hmm. um and there's this kind of famous story it's all sorts of apocryphal crazy ridiculous stories about him uh but one of the many apocryphal stories is that um like midway through his career he was trying to make some cash doing remixes mm. of other people's records yeah. and he'd been asked to do a remix of a radiohead song oh. and completely forgotten that he'd been asked to do it until one day a courier turned up at his house and said oh i've come to pick up that now that remix and he was yeah. Completely forgotten to do it. So he just told the courier, uh, right, just wait there for a minute and I'll go inside and get it. And he went upstairs and he just ran off a tape of whatever he happened to be working on that day. Wow. <laughs> um, and gave it to the guy and the guy just drove off. <laughs> um, and I, so I think this guy went out as a Radiohead B-side, but it contained utterly nothing of Radiohead whatsoever. It was just <laughs> something that he happened to have on a tape nearby. And um, I think if you are ever asked to do an adaptation, I would try and take that strategy as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of th- ask the producers very clearly, you know, how much do you know about the material? Mm-hmm. So you can get an idea of how much you can get away with not including. Yeah, exactly. I think that's it. You can't be too faithful. I see that again and again, is that if you're too faithful to the source material, you're really jeopardizing the, I think, the final outcome of the film. It's, there's, you know, there's, it feels like, you know, you've seen all these books that I'm carrying here. There's a reason why books are books and movies are movies. Exactly. And, and you know, trying to bridge one into the other is, you know, is asking for trouble. And if we keep chattering along, we're not going to get in and see this film. <laughs> right, we need to get in and see the film. Yeah, please. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you carry these books. I'll take these ones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can balance the popcorn on top. Shorter books, shorter books, short stories, man. <laughs>